0: Hitting the Mark, Measuring the Strength and Skill of Your Character, Part 2. Exploring the Culture, the Adventure, and the Impact of Martial Arts. That's what Kung Fu Podcast is all about. And I'm your host, T.W. Smith. Thank you so much for joining me today in episode number 184 where we're going to be getting into part two of Hitting the Mark. This is an essay written by Jim Bohoniak, who is a professor of philosophy at Colby University. If you didn't listen to part one, I highly encourage that you do because we're going to be picking right up into that area. Also, if this is your first time coming to Kung Fu Podcast, welcome. You are in the audience of some of the finest and sharpest martial artists in the world. And these are the sort of folks that put a great deal of care, study and sweat into honing their craft. I hope you bring the same thing to the program and if you ever have comments or suggestions or an interest in something I might cover in the future, go to KungFuPodcast.com and just send me an email from right there. In part two, how does sports guide us through the development of ethical behavior? Does the source of intent Make a difference. What happens if we're not really connected to the target that we set? We're aiming to do the right thing because our parents told us to or required us to, as compared to that's what you wanted to do. What roles do the targets we choose have on our behavior? Why is it that hitting the mark of excellent behavior is just not enough? Hitting the target on its own does not make you an excellent archer in fact back in the old days that would not even be acceptable so when we're talking about archery and martial arts and if someone dismisses archery as being you know related back to the martial arts or even a measurement of character it's important to remember that fact being an excellent archer had more to do than just the score you hit by hitting the target and we're going to talk in detail about that here in just a few moments A quick, and I mean a real quick summary of Part 1 of Position, Discharge, and G is where we focused on Confucius of 500 B.C. and Manitius of 300 B.C. and how it was going to be a standardized test to measure character, and archery was the tool. Just like today, we have tests to see if you can get into college. We also discussed how in modern test design, we look for validity and reliability how do these attributes fit into test selection, such as board breaking? We identified two main attributes. Wisdom is the skill. It involves having the proper stance, the proper position to realize what is ethically appropriate at the onset. Are you even aimed at a reasonable target? Being a better father, being a better martial artist, for example. suggestity was the other attribute, which is the strength. It indicates your willingness and the effort that you're going to put into something to act upon your decision as far as the target goes. Can you work consistently to reach that target? Having the right aim but not enough strength to reach the target is extremely common today. People give up before they get halfway there. If you're not sure what to do for targets in your life, then you might Google something like, what do successful business people do? They'll give you a list of like seven targets that you could aim at. When you take aim, draw the bow back with all you got. When you release that shot, those two things, your wisdom and sagacity are combined into that single shot. If your target, for example, is to avoid addictive problems, let's say like drinking, can you hit that target? And how many days a week can you do it? Confucius is often quoted as saying, In archery, we have something like the way of a superior man. When the archer misses the center of the target, he turns around and seeks for the cause of failure in himself. In part two, archery rolls in enjoyment. The notion of self that we just mentioned there when that target is hit or missed Suggested in the Confucian archery metaphor is very similar to one that Roger T. Ames and Henry Rosemont articulate in terms of Confucian role ethics. The idea that cultivating such a self is regarded as enjoyable is also included in their treatment. In the words of Ames and Rosemont, in the work, the classic of family reverence, a philosophical translation of the Xiao Jing, written in 2009, states... Each of us is the sum of the roles we live, not play, in our relationships and transactions with each other. The goal of living, then, is to achieve harmony and enjoyment for oneself and for others through acting most appropriately in those roles and relations that make us uniquely who we are. To cultivate self through taking on roles and to ethically hit the mark while living them out is a social achievement that brings immediate enjoyment in the doing of it. Archery, being a sport, here shows itself to be an apt metaphor for Confucian ethical experience. Like any sport, archery is something communal and designed to bring enjoyment to each of its participants. Sports, as James Keating explains, is precisely the activity undertaking along with others for its own rewards. In essence, sports is kind of a diversion which has for its direct and immediate ends fun, pleasure, and delight. The primary purpose of sport is not to win the match, but to derive pleasure from the attempt to do so and to afford pleasure to one's fellow participants in the process of that sport. Sport, then, is a cooperative endeavor to maximize pleasure or joy, and the immediate pleasure or joy is to be found in the activity itself. That was written by James Keating, Sportsmanship as a Moral Category, 1964. As a notation there, I'll put in, we want to remember that that is not just a date. The 1960s was an extremely important, pivotal time in U.S. history. At ushistory.com, in fact, it says, at the beginning of the 1960s, many Americans believed that they were standing at the dawn of a golden age. On January 20th, 1961, the handsome and charismatic John F. Kennedy became president of the United States. His confidence... That is, one historian put it, quote, the government possessed big answers to big problems. And that seemed to set the tone for this golden age. James Keating's writing of sportsmanship as a moral category was extremely important in overseeing this direction that we might be taking from the 1960s forward. In fact, he writes in that work, Sportsmanship long and inexplicably ignored by philosophers and theologians, has always pretended to a certain moral relevancy, although its precise place among the moral virtues has been uncertain. In spite of this confusion, distinguished advocates have made some remarkable claims for sportsmanship as a moral category. Albert Camus, Nobel Prize winner for literature in 1957, said that it was from sports that he learned all that he knew about ethics. Former President Hoover is quoted as saying, next to religion, the single greatest factor for good in the United States in recent years has been sport. Dr. Robert C. Clothier, past president of Rutgers University, paraphrased the words of Andrew Fletcher and commented, I care not who makes the laws or even writes the song if the code of sportsmanship is sound, for it is that which controls conduct and governs the relationships between men. Keating goes on to write where he comes to a place and he says, Pope Pius XII, speaking of fair play, which is widely regarded as an essential ingredient of sportsmanship, if not synonymous with it, has said from the birthplace of sport came also the proverbial phrase fair play, that knightly and courteous emulation which raises the spirit above meanness and deceit in the dark subterfuges of vanity and vindictiveness. Sport is the school of loyalty, of courage. Of fortitude, of resolution, and universal brotherhood. Using sport as a metaphor for ethical experience underscores that ethical living should also be the sort of activity that is undertaken for its own sake. As Manitius makes clear, the motivation to do what is appropriate cannot be located outside of its own activity. In other words, the ends and the means. Must Remain Unified Modern Day Examples of the Importance of Sports If you listen to the interview podcast with Jamie Club, for example, we spoke about how each sport can give you specific attributes that can transfer over to your martial arts training. Ian Abernathy has had a whole podcast dedicated to the defensive sports. And Ando Merzwa uses athletic training regularly as part of his Fight for a Happy Life. Almost every one of the Agents of Actions for Kung Fu Podcast has some relationship to sports and how they use it to further their martial arts training. As commonly recognized in the Western traditions of virtue ethics, truly ethical acts are not works that are done out of duty or something outside, or even because they are virtuous. These outside considerations divide the activity into means and ends, making the ethical act something one has to or ought to do. The essence of sport is similarly violated that the moment it becomes something that one is required or expected to do. It makes me think about how many of you all have had to work with folks who were only there because someone else made them go. It's a whole different atmosphere as compared to someone who just wants to do it. The English word sport is derived from Middle English basically, desport, and the old French, desporter, which means precisely, it's the release from work that is in any way laborious or mandatory. So when you use sport, we're not talking about labor or being mandatory. We're talking about something that you take on because you want to do it. Truly ethical activity, just like sport, is done out of enjoyment and for its own sake. Quote, to simply recognize what is right to do is not as good as being fond of it, and being fond of it is not as good as actually enjoying it. It is already true, as Ames and Romant say, that the most important thing in the human experience for you know those who lead a Confucian type of life or want to, is the quality of the relationships that locate one in the community and constitute one as a human being. The ideal then, in this ethical sportsmanship sort of role, is one who remains firmly positioned in their associated life and hits the mark by doing what is appropriate, isn't an extension of their cherished goods. For Confucians, being ethical is sportslike, in that the pleasure and significance that comes with doing it also comes From doing it. By exploring the connection between archery, enjoyment, and the continuity between means and ends, one comes to see how the targets operate within Confucian ethics and within the archery metaphor itself. To John Dewey, for whom archery also serves as a metaphor for ideal human conduct, it is important that all targets grow out of the satisfaction one derives from aiming at them. Men shoot and throw instinctively, explains Dewey, but they soon discover that there is pleasure found in the simple act of taking aim. Like in the activity in its acquired meaning, they not only take aim when they throw instead of throwing at random, but they find or make targets at which to aim. This is the origin and nature of goals in action. They are ways of defining and deepening the meaning of, of any activity. Now, I want to take a moment and share with you personally, these comments and this theory of thinking helped revitalize me over these past several weeks. You know, we as martial arts instructors, if nothing, are routines, right? We do this, we do that. In the process of doing, sometimes we forget why. Or we forget to take aim at, you know, where's my target at being a better dad? Where's my target at being a better uh home master? Uh, where's my target as far as my health? Where, where am I taking care of myself at? And not just doing it, but, but why? Taking pleasure in feeling good that I'm aiming at taking better care of myself. As Dewey sees it and explains in his volume, Human Nature and Conduct, human beings do not shoot because targets exist. Instead, human beings set up targets so that shooting itself is made more rewarding and significant. Any target or end so understood operates as a means of directing present activity towards some significant result. So you want to put something out there that shows that you're reaching something if you intend to have any pleasure of achieving anything. To hit a target at which one aims is truly the beginning of another mode of activity, as it is the termination of the present one, and that in itself brings us to this concept that, you know, I was uh, thinking the other day, for example, I think I made a post or read a post where, you know, you go through these levels of belts and training, and once you hit black belt or this higher level of understanding, you actually now set a new target, which is a beginning of another mode of understanding, another level of training. It represents determination that you've achieved the basics and the fundamentals just so that you can move forward. It's a beautiful metaphorical example of how we use this in the martial arts regularly. Similarly, hitting the mark in the Confucian archery metaphor refers not to just a discrete act with this fixed end, but rather to what Chung refers to as a form of life that is chosen and embraced as one's innermost own. This holistic process, taking aim, shooting, and enjoying the activity, are encompassed in the notion of chi that we talked about all in part one of this program. This process manifests itself in a large part through the roles that one live in, and it's rightly understood as a process, not as an isolated act. To do what is appropriate as a parent, for example, in a single instance is hardly the terminus of parenthood. (laughs) And yes, great, you did one thing good as a dad. That doesn't make you a good parent. Instead, parenthood is a process of continually aiming at the target of being a good parent. Parenting means cultivating the wisdom and strength to become and remain a good parent. The metaphorical target of parenting, then, operates as an end in view or an aim to direct yourself, to stance yourself toward. It does not indicate a terminal end, but rather something that directs and redirects the activity in directions that are meaningful, desirable, and significant. This is how ethical targets operate in the Confucian archery metaphor. But what happens if we're not really connected to the target? Like being a good parent. We're doing it because that's what our moms told us that we were gonna do when we grew up and had our own children. We are aiming at doing the right thing, but because someone told us to or required us to. As such, hitting the mark cannot be considered apart from the concrete process of taking aim and shooting, nor can it be hypostasized and imposed as a duty or fixed as a terminal end without losing its natural status as an act of good. Now, I want you to follow me here for a moment, because when you do that, and it's done out of duty, this puts the center of the moral gravity outside the concrete processes of living. Manitius would also agree with this comment. Whenever duties, virtues, or ends are overdetermined and fixed outside of the circuit of the concrete activity, there is the risk of alienation and a resultant decay in the ethical quality of the activity, such a situation could unfold as follows. If generation after generation were shown targets that they had no part of constructing, if bows and arrows were thrust into their hands and pressure were brought upon them to bear upon them to keep shooting, some wearied soul would soon propound to any willing listeners, the theory of shooting was unnatural, and that the duty of shooting and the virtue of hitting are externally imposed and fostered, and that otherwise there would be no such thing as a shooting activity, that is, morality. Genuine ethical behavior requires an identification of self with the target at which one aims if you want to be a better parent you have got to have inside of yourself the feeling that you want to be a better parent not because someone outside of you told you that's what you should be now they may have guided you there but if you're going to do it you got to believe in it it is not enough to simply be presented with the target in the form of duty truly ethical targets enter meaningfully into the very activity of taking aim and shooting. This is the holistic process Confucians identify with the term G. Here it is the activity, what you have chosen to pursue, rather than the end that is primary. Strictly speaking, not the target itself, but hitting the target is the end in view. One takes aim by means of the target, meaning that through the target, the shooter is realizing his end at every stage of the process. In this way, ethical targets emerge only with the realization of one's most innermost aims and purposes. An episode in the Lu Shi Chun makes a similar point about the importance of identifying oneself with the target. Master Lazy once hit the mark in archery. He presented this to Master Guan Yin. Master Guan Yin looks at Lai Zi and says, do you realize why you hit the mark? Lai Zi says, I do not. Then, this is unacceptable. Lai Zi withdrew and again practiced for three years. He presents himself again to Guan Yin. Guan Yin asks him the same thing. Do you realize why you hit the mark? Lai Zi says, yes, I do. Now, that is acceptable. Maintain this level of engagement with your targets and do not lose it. For Confucians, just happening to hit a target does not make one a good archer. Nor, in the context of the archery metaphor, does accidentally hitting a target reveal anything about a person's character. Accordingly to Confucians, to be a good archer, one must incorporate the target holistically into one's activity. Identifying oneself with the aim and the shot that was taken. Only then does one realize the meaning and significance of the whole shooting enterprise and only then does the shooting become enjoyable and thus revealing of a character. The archery metaphor assumes that there is nothing in which a person so completely reveals himself as in the things which he judges enjoyable and desirable. So in Summary Part 2, we discuss the entire process. Choosing a target, positioning ourselves, taking aim, gathering your resources, shooting, and enjoying the activity are all encompassed in this process referred to as G-Z-H-I. The holistic process manifests itself in a large part through the roles that one lives. What do we do? Think of all your roles. And it is rightly understood As a process, not as an isolated act. So once you've hit one target, you're going to set another. And the target is something for you to aim for. To be a good martial artist, we must incorporate the target holistically into our activities, identifying ourselves with the aim and the shots that we take every day to be a little bit better. Hopefully, you enjoy your pursuits in martial arts and that the targets you have for yourselves, for your students, They are good. You share them. Serve the greater good. And it serves the community. And they serve you. They serve your personal interests. Enjoy your pursuits. In the next episode, in Hitting the Mark, what do we know about an actual contest? I mean, one, that you're going out to do your drills one day to reveal yourself in the field of archery. And Confucius is sitting there. He's waiting to see what you're going to do. What would it be like if Confucius was your judge on your archery, but you knew he was looking into your character while you did it? That's what part three is going to be all about. Thank you for all your support and everything that you all do. If you'd like to support this program, just go to KungFuPodcast.com forward slash support. And I look forward to exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of Mars arts with you again real soon.